We've got, I've got one more lesson on a Wednesday night talking about personal finance, and this will be it. This will be talking about managing risk. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions about managing risks, even to the point where some people think that uh, uh, insurance is gambling. Uh, I do not think that, but I would like to go through the scriptural reasoning to try to explain why I don't think that, and I'll leave it in your hands to decide. Um, I've got two verses written up on the board behind me, and they seem to contradict each other. Can we go to Proverbs 27 and verse 12? Let me read this one. Proverbs 27 and verse 12. And this is actually a duplicate. You can find the same thing in 22 and verse 3. But uh, either one you can read, they read the same. 27, 12, it says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So let's keep that one in mind. And it looks like that... Um, if you are being a good steward of your house and you're, if you're a head of a household, you're looking and not only are you looking at uh, what's coming, but you're looking at what could happen. Okay. And then we go to the New Testament and we look at Jesus and the last uh, verse in uh, chapter six, Matthew six on the Sermon on the Mount. It says, take no thought for tomorrow for to- tomorrow shall bring till take the thought. I'm sorry, what did I mess that up? Take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And Jesus is saying, don't get all cumbered about with what could happen tomorrow. Just enjoy today. So my point is, is what is it? Which one is it? Well, a lot of times in scripture, we find out that there's um, um, verses that appear to conflict one another. And that certainly is the case when it's talking about this subject today. Matter of fact, I can show you in, in cases where um, Jesus Christ, in one point in Matthew chapter 25, he was talking and he's talking about the difference between the sheep and, and, and um, the sheep and the goats. And the question is, is what was the difference? And one of the things was, is, they, 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 they visited the sick and they, they, they went to jail and they visited people in jail and they fed uh, people that were hungry and they clothed people. And then all of a sudden you go to John chapter 6 and he was preaching and he was, had some compassion on people and he says, well, feed them. And then just shortly after he says, listen, the only reason you're following me to the preaching sessions is your bellies are full. And then we can go to 1 Thessalonians, and that particular church had a problem with people not working. And he said, you don't work, you don't eat. So my point is, is which is it? Do we feed hungry people or do we not feed hungry people? And my answer is what, Brother Danny? It depends. It depends. It depends. So there are cases when we do feed hungry people, and there are cases when we don't feed hungry people. And again, my favorite uh, verse talking about this apparent contradiction is in Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. It has nothing to do with finances, but they do appear to be contradictory to one another. Verse 4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou be like unto him. Verse 5 says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So you got 
um, two kinds of fools here. And one of them, you're supposed to respond and give a rebuttal. And the other one is you just don't cast your pearls before swine and you simply walk away. And on the surface, it looks like it's a contradiction in God's word, but it's not a contradiction in God's word. The answer is it depends. It is. If you are ta- coming up someone that is just just a, one that just loves to debate and argue, that kind of person is just likes to argue for the sake of arguing, you just don't even give them the time of day and you just walk away. But if there's someone that's doing something in a way that can harm little children and, or, 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 or saying something that's, that, that's wrong, uh, someone would come into the pulpit and talk about things that are completely contrary to Jesus Christ, it would be up to me to go into the stand and say, that's not right. That's not Jesus Christ who we worship. So I would have to do that and, and do it in a way. But, you know, I've seen situations where you can get on certain social media sites and people argue. And, and you know, I got to the point where a um, long time ago I decided that was not profitable for me. You'd get on there and people would be arguing about a certain doctrinal point. And you know what? It would mess me up and I'd be angry and I'd be, you know, three or four days later, instead of studying for the message that needed to be preached on Sunday, I was doing all research into that and and just because that was a time where I just needed to walk away. So I haven't been in that kind of social format for a long, long time. Simply because of that, I decided to go with answer not a fool according to his folly. Okay. So with that being said, let's go back <clears throat> to our uh, particular instance and let's talk about um, let's talk about these two fir- verses. Okay, so the first one says uh, you can foresee the evil. And the other one says, and the second half of the proverb says, the simple, and, a- and actually the one that's, um, the only thing I can think of simple is simpleton or a fool, is just um, naive, just simply ignores it or doesn't recognize it, passes it on, and that's going to be trouble. So the simple do nothing, which is not good. Okay? But then Jesus Christ says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34, he said, don't worry about it. Okay, so let's get a situation here. And let's take a young family, okay? And um, here's my son, and he's got a, a wife and two young children. And I would be very disappointed in him if he didn't have life insurance, Okay, is, is, which one am I doing? Excuse me, am I doing Proverbs 27.12 or am I doing that? Or is it a case where I just go through the Bible and I just see how many verses are and I got foreseeing the evil, I got 10 of those and I only have uh, two that says don't worry about tomorrow. So 10 to 2, that's the way I'm going to go. No, that's not how we handle scripture, is it? The answer is it depends. Now, it doesn't depend on the contextual like it did in Proverbs 26, 4, and 5. But what do you think it depends on? Now, that's a rhetorical question I'm going to tell you. Well, the answer is Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, please go follow with me to Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. 
Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Now when I read that particular verse, he doesn't say never put a watch on the wall. And he doesn't say never build a house. But what he's telling us to do is do the absolute best you can and then go to bed. Got it? So in terms of finances, do the absolute best you can and then go to bed. So if I am a going back in time and I am in a position where I've got a wife and my five children were very, very small, I had life insurance because what happens is, is I wanted my wife to be able to stay home and take care of these children if something were to happen to me. Plane crash, cancer, a car wreck, anything like that. I wanted her to have that situation. And for a couple hundred dollars a year, we could have that security. And that's foreseeing the evil. And the evil is something could happen to me. And that is six people that are dependent on myself taking care of a family. Okay? Now, I picked a number I thought was appropriate that would take care of her needs for the number of years while the kids were small. So then I I did that, and I didn't worry about it. And I got a policy to the last child was 18, and that's how far it strung out. And when the last child was 18, I let it go. And I don't worry about it. I didn't worry about it then. I didn't worry about it now. Okay? Now, there's another way this can be a sin, is if I put all my confidence in my riches, that would be wrong. So it is an answer of, it depends, but you do all you know how to do, and then you go to bed, because we don't want to tempt the Lord either. Again, we keep on going back to that little bitty ant. The Lord said, consider the ant in Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. What does the ant do? The ant, all summer long, it goes out and gets food, and it stores it. Why does it store it? Because it knows winter is coming. So it works really, really hard. And it puts all the food in the nest. And they eat, slowly eat that. And next spring when they come out. Okay? So that's what we do too. We do save. We do budget. We do minimize our debt. We do everything we know to do that's efficient and proper and honoring to God. And then we go to bed. We don't worry about it. Okay? So that's the middle ground. Now, that middle ground is not a compromise. We don't compromise with the word of God. It just so happens God's truth is right smack in the middle. Okay? So that's what we're supposed to do. All right, I'll give you a chance to ask questions in a second. I've got a couple more um, things that I'd like to talk about. There's something called a futures market and being having an investment banking past. A lot of people think that's nothing more than gambling. I think you're wrong. And I'll give you some examples. 
Okay? There are situations where people can use futures market to gamble, but there's other ways people can use future markets to absolutely do right the opposite to take away all the gambling. Okay? Let's pretend I'm a farmer and I just planted 100 acres of corn. Okay? And I know my real estate taxes, I know my fuel cost for the tractor, I know my seed cost, I know my irrigation cost, and let's pretend all those costs add up to $1,000, okay? And I'm looking at the futures price of the corn, and I know I can sell that at $2 a bushel, and I can get $2,000. So I would enter in a futures contract to sell all my corn in September or August, when the corn comes in, that guarantees me $2,000. So what have I done? Have I created risk or have I eliminated risk? I've el- Depends. That's a real good point. And your grandfather used to do that very thing. He did pigs, okay? So he would go out and he would sell pigs on the futures market... But guess what he would also do? He would buy soybeans. Why did he buy soybeans and sell pigs? Nope. He wasn't betting on that. Securing his cost. Because pigs eat soybeans. So he was locking in the cost of his food for four months. And he was locking in the cost of the sale at the end of four months. And guess what? He guaranteed himself a certain profit margin. Okay? Futures market can be used in the exact opposite way, not to increase risk, but to eliminate risk. Okay, let's think. Okay, now now what happens is is I'm Farmer Jones, and I've just bought all my, I'm not bought, I've sold all my corn futures. I've sold corn futures because what happens is I've got this corn harvest coming in in August, Can you think of someone who could actually be on the buying end of the corn that would do it to reduce risk? How about Kellogg's? Right? Kellogg's. Kellogg's could do that, and they don't know if the price is going to go up or pray down, but you know what? I like the price right now. And if I do the price right now and I lock that in, so when the corn comes in in four months and I can get it for $2 a bushel... I can make money off my cereal at $2 a bushel. But if it goes up and there's a great big war between Russia and Ukraine and things go high and it goes up to 4 bucks, I can't make any money on cereal there. So I'm buying my corn futures now, right? What happens is if a year ago you said, I'm going to build a house next year. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy my lumber futures, Okay. Is that reducing risk or increasing risk? If you like the price and I can afford it, what's happened to lumber the last two years? Right through the roof. So if I would have bought that and locked in my cost, do you understand? So it's one thing to do that. So my point is sometimes we do financial transactions and and we think that's gambling, but it's not. These markets were created to rate the opposite to reduce it. So Kellogg's could stabilize the price of their commodity that they needed for an input, and farmers could stabilize the price of a commodity they needed to sell to get the revenue. Because if prices dropped, 
it could go below all their costs. And you know what? I got no food. I got no f- money after I sell my corn. So my point is, is a lot of times we think of things as gambling because you hear risk, but it's right the opposite. It's not gambling at all. It's actually reducing risk. Okay? And there was things going on like that in Scripture. Now, I'll tell you things that you can do that does increase your risk. Here's a couple things. You can be surety for another man's loan. You understand? Well, that's being nice, isn't it? That's being a nice Christian. The Bible says you're a fool to do that. Because what happens is, is why should you risk someone taking your bed away because of their ineptness? Don't do it. Don't be a cosigner of a loan. Okay? You know what's even more riskier than being a cosigner of someone's loan? Marrying a wild lady. Okay? There's a lot of risk in that. Someone that doesn't have control over the spending. Okay? Don't, don't shoot the messenger. This is scripture. Got it? Proverbs 19, 14. Okay, you want a Proverbs 31. When's that discreet that you can trust her with all your riches? Okay. Now, I want to read a couple verses and we'll wrap up this and open up an opportunity to ask any questions. Ecclesiastes 3 says, there's a time to get, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away. And and that's true. There's in our, our lives, there's a time to spend, there's a time to save. Got it? Okay. Proverbs 27 and 7 says, Overindulgence and shortages skew objectivity. So when you eat too much, or when something is in demand, it makes you less objective in your decision making. So sometimes you need to step back. Like Yes. That's just totally irrational, right? But the panic sets in. So sometimes in a financial situation, you need to take a step back and just, just, just kind of chill, okay? And then I want to repeat something from last week. Usury is okay, but it's not okay when you're charging to someone that's poor, okay? Let's suppose there was someone in the church and... Um, they had a bunch of rental properties, okay? Jobs, rental properties, all that kind of stuff. And the brother says, hey, there's this really good house that came on the market and I want to get a 10th rental property. Brother Dolph, you got any money I can borrow? I said, sure. And I charge him interest. That's a whole lot different than someone says, I just lost my job. I need some food. Can you, can you lend me some money so I can get some food? Sure, no loan. And hopefully I'd be in a position where I didn't even have to loan it and I'd just say, hey, here's the food. Okay. I hope I could do that, but if I couldn't do that, I could I could lend it but just not charge interest. So, we want to be wise in that regard. Okay? So this is the last it hits the main points, and if you want to go further into some of um Dave Ramsey's baby steps, I really believe that at this point in the church of introducing you to the budgeting process and saving up for $1000 the debt process of once you've saved up $1,000, start paying down those debts, the savings and the retirement and, and, and what he has for there, I think that's probably for another lesson down the road. But for the meantime, I think once you get you start on those first two things, um, you're, you're, you're well on your way. Okay, so you can stop the recording. Brother Richard?
You can stop the recording. We're good there. Does